Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Prima Deer, session number 473. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am back and excited for the new year. We took a couple weeks off uh, after the holidays or during the holidays, and we are back and hopefully better than ever. It's the first time we've really taken a break here on the podcast in the almost 10 years that we've been around. So hopefully you didn't miss us too much, but we are back and we have a great interview for you today. Before we jump into that, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. If you are within 60 days of your MCAT, Blueprint MCAT and Sketchy and I and a couple other people did an amazing workshop that you can go check out at blueprintmcat.com. Click on the free resources and go find a recording of the Sketchy Blueprint workshop and check out the Sketchy and Blueprint MCAT practice exam bundle where you get Blueprint exams and access to Sketchy to help maximize your studying for these last 60 days. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Today, we have a great interview with a student who was gracious enough to come on and vulnerable enough to come on and talk about his pre-med journey being on the autism spectrum. And we talk all about how he was able to build up strategies to help himself integrate better into conversations and socially and everything else and ultimately earn himself a spot in medical school. And whether or not, we, we have a conversation about whether or not that actually came up in his interviews or, or how he talked about it in his applications. It's a question that I get a lot, whether it's specifically about autism uh, or Asperger's as we, as we talk about on the on the show. Um, and, and whether whether it's mental health or physical health or whatever else, a lot of students reach out and are concerned. Do I put this in the application? Do I write about this in my personal statement? What potential issues may be there with that? And we talk all about that with Rohan. Rohan, welcome to the pre-mid years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. Gray. I'm excited to know when is the first time that you realized you wanted to be a doctor? Okay, so this is a bit of a story here, but um, bear with me. 
It starts with Asperger syndrome, which today is on the uh, air quotes, higher functioning end of autism spectrum disorder. So if I say autism in reference to myself, I'm referring to that. Okay. I, uh, I had a mild case of it for a very long time. And uh, it was mild enough to where it went undetected for over 10 years. I noticed that over time I wasn't getting along with other kids at school. Like by middle school, other kids had better manners and knew how to read body language. And I didn't know any of that. I was also stuck into the same interest that I had since like kindergarten. Whereas these guys were already able to disable parental controls to watch Family Guy, for example. And um, in sixth grade, my violin teacher told my mom that I might have Asperger's disorder based on my behavior. So we went to Pittsburgh to see some experts. And uh, after a morning of IQ and social testing, they determined that I had a mild case of it. So up until then, like I said, I noticed I was acting differently than everyone else. But the diagnosis finally gave me a name to attach to it. Yep. But I didn't get too much help. Uh, my school teachers were informed, but they didn't see any reason to worry because my grades were top-notch with very little effort. And like they didn't see what life was like for me outside of the classroom. They didn't see all these social deficits. My parents were also immigrants from India, where developmental disorders weren't as common a topic as they were in the U.S. So I don't think they understood the gravity enough to help me through it. They wanted a psychologist for me, but they didn't want to travel or pay a ton for professional help because of that. So we stayed in our area, our underserved area. Out of the limited resources my city had, we found a pretty cheap psychologist who wasn't an autism specialist. And we even stopped that after my second appointment because she screamed at me, and I'll never forget this. I'm tired of hearing you talk. You're never going to make friends. And that's a very traumatizing experience, right? <laughs> for, for anyone. <laughs> right. But it's like, I think differently. I see the world differently. And now we finally pay someone to listen. And this happened. Yeah. And so I didn't trust anyone who said they'd quote unquote help me after that. Like maybe I could go to a neighbor to borrow some sugar or however that saying goes. But no way was I going to believe anyone who said they could help me overcome Asperger's. And so I decided to handle it myself. Like every nuance of social interaction that seemed to come naturally to others became a topic for me to learn, largely without outside assistance. It involved a lot of slow, methodical trial and error, <laughs> which is a simple concept in theory, but in practice, it's really hard because I had to learn human interaction from the ground up. Yeah. But I made study progress, and over the span of about five years, I mastered a lot of it reading faces, telling jokes, holding a conversation. I was at a point where if you didn't know I had autism, you probably could have never guessed. I was finally maturing into my own unique personality that covered a lot of that. And by this point, it was late in high school. Around that time, my mom was hospitalized at the Cleveland Clinic. She had some health complications that, if left untreated, would have cost her life. And my family thought we would be lucky if she just survived. And thinking back to that first appointment, I remember also expecting the doctors to just come in, take a few notes, and send us away with a very textbook prescription or recommendation or something. I thought he was just going to rub his hands clean of it, clean of it after the first visit because that was the best image of professional health I had at the time. Yeah. But 
when when the doctor walked into the room, my expectations were completely blown out of the water. He greeted my family with the warmest smile, spoke in the most cheerful tone, and backed up that sunny attitude because he was so smart. Cool as a cucumber, very much in the driver's seat of my mom's condition. And it was inspiring confidence in the rest of us. Like I could even see my mom brightening up with every passing minute. And so that first visit gave her the positive energy I think she needed to start that process to recover. And I know you talk about an applicant's quote unquote seed a lot, as in what experiences made them choose medicine. Yep. For me, that seed was seeing my mom's era uh, with that doctor and the fantastic care that she got. Yeah. But playing off that analogy a little more, the soil it was planted in was my history with Asperger's syndrome, because I came from a place where I didn't believe in professional assistance after my own trauma as a child. But that philosophy was kind of turned on its head watching this physician do his magic. And I wanted to be just like that. Yeah. So. Uh, and I'll, I'll use the term Asperger's with you cause you're using it, even though I know b- before we hit record, um, the DSM doesn't, uh, officially recognize Asperger's anymore. It's just considered part of the, the autism spectrum disorder. Um, right. but, but that's the, the term you, you're, you were using, so I'll use it. There mm-hmm. are lots of, um, lots of students out there who either have Asperger's or on the spectrum um, who potentially want to go on and be physicians who have some sort of seed like you've had with your mom, but are either Mm -hmm. told by advisors or family members or mentors or internally themselves, I am Mm -hmm. different. Therefore I can't. How did you overcome any sort of that negative self-talk or or negative talk from others as you went through this journey? So to be totally honest, I didn't have a ton of it coming from like outside sources, but I was, you know, I kind of walked into freshman year of college thinking like I am different. And rather than taking that as a negative thing, I kind of challenged myself to take that as a positive thing. Like, we talk about diversity in medicine today. Um, Diversity really helps uh, a wide variety of physicians connect to an even wider variety of patients. And so I think if you're able to look at life a little bit differently, whether it's by background or by mental status, I think it's really beneficial to uh, whatever you want to do in life being able to contribute an extra perspective that maybe normative minded people might not have missed, like might, might not have gotten. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a beautiful way of putting that is like, okay, I am different. And so what? <laughs> like that helps. Um, I, I think, exactly. uh, I, I think that's a, a beautiful way of, of looking at that. So you had mentioned from an academic standpoint, you never really struggled there. That that wasn't uh, something where your neurodiversity kind of played a toll and, and um, built up some obstacles, but it was more of the stereotypical, um, it sounds like, social cues and interactions um, that you have built up tools um, and ways of coping and, and integrating yourself into what a, what would be considered more typical interactions 
From a clinical perspective and interacting with patients' perspective, how have you managed that? Um, well, okay, I will preface by saying that um, I did struggle my first two years of college just because when I went into college, I didn't have any study strategies just because I did do so well without any effort in ah, school. Okay. So that came back to bite me a little bit, huh? Okay. Um, but I'm sorry, repeat your question again. I'm so from, sorry. From a, from a clinical interaction uh, point of view, um, how has being, uh, again, your, your language, Asperger's, how has how having Asperger's affected your ability to interact with patients or interact uh, with other healthcare professionals in, in a healthcare setting? So I am scribing right now. So um, as a scribe, you don't really talk to the patients too much, um, not as much as a doctor does. But I think it affects the kind of questions mm -hmm. that maybe I ask my doctor because um, when I go into scribing, a lot of people, a lot of physicians will think their scribe wants to ask about how do you diagnose or X, Y, Z. But for me, um, I'm actually scribing a, for a neurologist right now. So what do you do, right? Um, something that I like to ask is what's like the spirit of medicine or how do you interact with patients with that level of magic that, um, like the same kind of magic that I saw when my mom was taken care of, right? I think it affects what your goals are potentially, because I think knowledge is something that isn't beyond everyone. Like the questions will come when the questions come, the textbook information will come when all that comes. The spirit of medicine and what I want to do when I be a doctor, when I am a doctor, is um, ultimately what I'm after when I'm asking different questions. Okay. So when it, when it comes to um, kind of your uh, interaction with patients, your interaction with other, other medical professionals, um, as you go into that setting or as you first became a scribe, what sorts of, of kind of coping mechanisms or, or strategies did you build up to, um, to help yourself uh, feel more comfortable in those situations? Um, well, to be totally honest, the doctor doesn't, uh, the doctor I scribed for doesn't hold back when he says, um, or like he, he knows that I'm in the room and he makes sure that the patient knows that he sees me, yep. right? So we have a little fun dynamic where um, he can, he can poke fun at me and say like, oh my gosh, I can't prescribe you that. I have students watching or just like little funny things like that. Okay, but but from being on the spectrum, for right, right, for exactly. you, you you talked about your earlier struggles with and and how you built up strategies around social interactions and telling jokes and receiving jokes and all of that stuff. How did you prepare yourself for that clinical environment? That that's what I'm asking. I guess I kind of approach it in the same way that I approach anything else because um specifically in a clinical background um they see that i'm not wearing the white coat so i never really have to um answer some of those difficult questions like um medical advice or anything else they'll just ask me like what are you doing in the exam room um and i'm just like i'm a scribe 
and we just have a lot of chit chat that I would have with anyone else. So it's never really that interfering. Like the the jump from normal interaction to interacting with patients in a clinical setting has never been that immense. Okay. So, so not yet anyway. Yeah. So you haven't seen a big difference in terms of the, the fact that it's a clinical setting or patient interaction. You personally have just gone about it and used all of your other coping strategies and, and skills that you've, you've learned over the years to deal with classmates and teachers and, and everyone else. Right. Everyone's human after all. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the best answer to that question because they're just normal people. And I, I love that you're like, they're just normal people. They just happen to have their pants down and need to prostate check at this moment. Um, <laughs> I'm not in the room for that. Don't worry. <laughs> they're, just, they're just a normal person. I, I love it. I love it. Um, and, and, and thank you for allowing me to kind of dig in on that because I, I think a lot of people reach out to me and and they'll talk about being on the spectrum and they'll they'll talk about concerns about these interactions they'll talk about concerns about bringing it up in in their applications and and other places and and they're worried that their difference is going to hinder them and again going back to something you said earlier where you were like my difference is just a difference. It's just not worse. It's not better. It's just a difference. And that's just the way people are. <laughs> Everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a, again, a great way of putting that into perspective. You, you did mention lack of kind of study habits and study skills going into undergrad after doing very well in high school. That's a very common struggle point transition for students. It's either they they kind of hit that roadblock in undergrad or mm-hmm. undergrad and high school are relatively easy. And then they hit that roadblock in medical school. And I was one of those students where undergrad, high school, kind of easy, never really needed super strong study habits. But then med school, like that punched me in the face over and over and over again, completely different. Mm -hmm. How did you go about it? And I I still want to focus a little bit on spectrum stuff. And and because I think it's such a valuable question and a valuable, uh, you're a valuable guest for so many other students out there who are on the spectrum. From, Mm -hmm. From a spectrum perspective, or maybe it's just not relevant at all, how did you learn to be a better student as you were going through your undergrad process? I don't don't think, like, if you take a look at my transcript, uh, you'll see this as well, but it was, it was not a gradual thing. It was a very light turns on, light turns off sort of thing. It was a very light switch interaction because I stopped being complacent with the fact that I had no study strategies. Um, at the end of sophomore year. And then I really buckled down and started trying new things again, almost as if I was trying to figure out social interaction, like I was in high school. So I don't think, um, I don't think Asperger's played too much of a role in um, how I viewed study strategies. Okay, very interesting. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think from a, from a, scholastic side of things, a pre-med side of things, what do you think was the hardest part of being a pre-med? 
the hardest part of being a pre-med was um, definitely professional development because um, as it is, it, um, like I didn't have too much experience with um, trying to find, like trying to write emails and stuff. It was tough to find the right opportunities for me. Like uh, in those first two years where I really struggled with my grades, I was also struggling to find professional development opportunities. Like I wasn't having any luck with research or shadowing or anything. And um, I think that was the biggest shock for me that developing yourself to go where you want to go is no longer limited to the tech. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So when it comes to the application, I'm really interested to talk about your application because you received that. I, I have your application. It's right in front of me. <laughs> you put Asperger's disorder as an activity in your application. I knew we were going to talk about this. Why did you do um, that? So, okay. Going into the application process, I like, a lot of other people started my personal statement, say, three, four months in advance. Mm -hmm. And I loved writing. So I was comfortable with the personal statement than I, and more so than I think a lot of applicants usually are. But in my history with Asperger's, um, I never thought to make it a huge part of my application. Like for the longest time, I thought like, okay, the more I um, include Asperger's, the more I'm shooting myself in the foot because I had that fear that a lot of pre-meds seem to have, like who are on the spectrum. What if people look at me differently because I included this on my application? So I didn't make it a huge part of my uh, personal statement. I think I wrote probably the second best personal statement I could have, but um, I could have made it stronger by putting Asperger's there instead of as a most meaningful. Okay. Did anyone tell you that you shouldn't put Asperger's in your application, period? No one told me that for the context of this application, but like in the 10 years that I've had my diagnosis, whenever I wanted to apply to something and uh, maybe include something about Asperger's, um, I would get people telling me, like, why would you sell yourself so short? Um, and I would start thinking it myself, like, no, I don't want people to look at me as, uh, I don't want anyone to look at me wrong mm. uh, just because I included this there. And so I actually had my uh, application pretty much done and I was ready to hit submit until I had a friend uh, go over the application with me and said, wait, Asperger's is on here. This sounds like a missed opportunity for a personal statement. And I was thinking back and I'm just like, oh my God, maybe he's right. But at the time I was thinking like, um, like I hadn't learned about your podcast yet. I didn't know how holistic or humanistic the ad comms really were. I was really afraid that they were going to say, um, oh, he says he made all this headway into human understanding, but he got a 124 on cars. He's all bark and no bite. Skip him next. 
<laughs> wait, wait. How does human understanding have to do with cars? Because, like, I think um, cars is all about like critically analyzing stuff, right? And to me, it feels like there are so many different ways you could critically analyze something, but you're supposed to limit your answer down to one answer for cars, right? I might be working backwards here. Is this a bit confusing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't think there's any correlation to cars and how well you grasp the, the human psyche. Uh, so it's just an interesting <laughs> correlation that you that you made there. Um, no, it's like worst case scenario. Yeah, let's. Um, I, I'm 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 still very intrigued that you decided to put that as an activity. Uh, right. In there. Um, um, but let's let's focus a little bit more on. You got an interview? Yes. One interview? Um, only, yes. only one or multiple? One interview, which one interview. has since turned into one acceptance. One acceptance. Um, See, you, 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 yeah, so you, you gave the it surprise happened. away. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Talk about the, the interview itself. Did this experience and, and uh, being on the spectrum come up in the interview? Actually, no. Um, what, what type of, of interview was it? It was purely MMI. It was two hours worth go. of MMI interviews. <laughs> okay. And, um, I thought it was, I thought it was very, like, it boosted my confidence a lot thinking that someone saw my application and saw that maybe everything I wanted was on the application, just in the wrong order or in the wrong place, but they still endorsed that. Okay. We're never going to talk to him about his application ever again. We are going to send him an interview for something that is completely unrelated to the traditional interview uh, format. And I was taking a look at this school's like interview stats. They don't send a ton of interviews. They only send interviews to people they want to have at their school, judging from the fact that they accept like 90% of applicants that get the interview. Okay. And so that was a very bolstering thing. And so I went into the interview with a lot of confidence. Um, I said, you know, I am, I have a unique perspective. I'm going to show that with all of these unique scenarios that they're going to be throwing me into. And I just made it happen. Yeah. From an MMI perspective, is there anything different you think you did to to prepare for those that a that a quote unquote neurotypical student maybe would not have. So I always knew like I was a verbose sort of person when I started coming into that unique personality I told you about earlier. Um, I decided that I was going to roll with that. I wasn't going to try being someone I'm not, and I just kind of followed the strategies that I had arranged to parse different MMI scenarios. And those strategies worked out really well for me. Once I got an idea of what I wanted to say, I would go into the rooms and I was able to talk that talk. So I wouldn't say I did anything very different than people normally would have. Mm. Like I didn't go in there. Um, I think the biggest fear of pre-meds when they go into an MMI scenario is that they're going to say something like they're going to try uh, drawing it back to medicine or something and then they'll say and that's why I'm going to be a good doctor but then it's just like right but answer the prompt in front of you please yeah 
Okay. So I was aware of that bias and I just like got over it pretty quickly. I was just like, you know, they saw me and they wanted me. I'm just going to go in there and like I said, talk that talk. Yeah. And obviously that worked perfectly well for you. Uh, You got that acceptance. What was it like to get that acceptance? Oh my gosh. That day I was having, I think my family was having collectively a bad day because some of us were working overtime. Someone had like an injury, someone was stuck in traffic. And so when that uh, acceptance came in, I called everyone. Uh, My dad was still in traffic, but um, we were all just kind of celebrating that I got into medical school. I was really happy. And it happened right before Thanksgiving too. So perfect. Yeah. That's that's definitely awesome. What are your plans for the future? Any specific specialty in mind, and and how much of uh, again the the neurodiversity? Uh, how much does that play a part in potential um, specialty choice for you? So I think going back to college for a second, I was a neuroscience major at Ohio State just okay. because I wanted to learn something about myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I'm going to go into medical school with that same philosophy because right now I'm also striving for um, for neurology. And so I think maybe um, my experiences have led me down this road. Potentially I'll do neurology, but in the end I'll be happy just learning something more, helping out where I can. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's <clears throat> awesome. Talk about the the fact, uh, and I talk about this all the time. When when someone comes and they they ask me a question about, do I put on my application that I have kids? Do I put on my application uh, that I'm on the spectrum? Do I put on my application X, Y, or Z? And we we have this conversation about you can put it on. And it can be a potential red flag to whoever's reading it because whoever's reading it is going to have their own personal biases. Or um, you can put it on or and you can put it on and the person reading it goes, that's cool. That's different. That's interesting. Whatever reaction they have is. And you know now at the, the school that you are accepted to, you know that they know who you are, right? That you are neurodiverse, that you are on the spectrum and and they have said welcome right you are right. welcome here <clears throat> and and the 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 trouble that some students have when they potentially hide it from their application is you show up to campus on that first day mm-hmm. they realize that you are neurodiverse and then they struggle with that acceptance And now the student doesn't feel accepted, doesn't feel part of the community, and worse, feels pushback against who they are. And I've talked to students in that situation as well. Talk talk about um, kind of that thought process um, that I kind of lay out for students when going through this discussion. I'm not sure I 100% understand. I'm sorry, Dr. Gray. Yeah, no, I I think really at the end of the day, the, the question that I'm asking is, what does it feel like to know when you show up to campus on day one that they know who you are, that they know that you are on the spectrum? I think that's a bolstering feeling because, um, you know, red flags aside, they've seen all the 
they've seen like a uh, potential that they can tap into for um for the sake of like diversity like we talked about earlier like being able to relate to a more diverse patient population is definitely a green flag it's an upside that shouldn't be ignored mm-hmm. and seeing someone endorse that uh in their campus means that like you're welcome you're welcome to be a part of it and it's a very it's got it's bringing me a lot of confidence that someone has seen my story um however mumbled and jumbled it may have been on my application <laughs> it's a very bolstering thing yeah what do you have to say to the student listening to this who uh, may be neurodiverse, may have other uh, potential struggles that they're dealing with, other differences that they're dealing with, and, and who are concerned about those differences when it comes to applying to medical school, being accepted both both kind of literally and figuratively by the medical school um, mm-hmm. as an applicant. What do you say to them as they go through their journey? I will say that there is a right place for everyone. I think the right school will accept you and the right school will accept you and when they do you have to remember that there are some positives that they did not ignore that there are some positives that they want to foster when they um, accept you into their incoming class and so just remember that you can relate to a different patient population that um other people can't. You can relate to the same population in different ways that other people can't. And just never forget that, like, at the end of the day, you want to make that white coat, like, a part of you. And how you wear that white coat is something that you can develop uh, in medical school and beyond. All right, so there you have it. Again, Rohan, talking about his journey to medical school. Congratulations on that acceptance. Thank you for coming on and being vulnerable and letting other people learn from your journey. Everyone else, I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week when we talk to Mike about his journey to medical school, overcoming a second year GPA of 1.8 and being placed on academic probation. These are the episodes that I think you guys love. So stay tuned for more coming your way. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.